Alright, good morning. It's uh, Faith Over Breakfast. We are at Exo Coffee in Tucson, Arizona, and by we I mean Eric Seepin of the Village Church here in Tucson, Arizona, and myself, Andy Littleton, of a church called Mission Church in uh, Tucson, Arizona as well. And Exo is an awesome, uh, awesome place, restaurant, coffee shop, and we're up in the loft. We really appreciate it, and we encourage you all to go out to EXO. But um, here we are. I just ate my biscuit. Eric is drinking what looks like eggnog. Yeah, it's a chai tea. Chai tea. Yeah. So look at that. Looks like eggnog. You know, specialty. It's different. It's unique. I like it. I'm drinking a Cortado. Life is good. And uh, we just had our buddy Brian up here, who uh, he's he's he wasn't going to be with us anymore. Now he showed up. And then we hear he's going to be with us more. I don't know. He's photographing us. He's leaving. It's just getting very complicated. Anyway, Eric, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. I actually had a little bit of a rough yesterday. I had to go to cardiologist. What? Um, What? When I had my physical, they said I had an arrhythmia. He just wanted my family doctor wanted me to get checked out. Yeah. But man, I tell you, like when I go to a new doctor, I have some serious anxiety and blood pressure issues. So I got in there <laughs> and my blood pressure was 140 over 100. Oh man. And he's, the arrhythmia was nothing, but they were a little concerned with my blood pressure. They couldn't get it down. Um, well, they just wanted me to relax, which was hard for me to do in a doctor's office, even though they had dogs. They I've had never dogs been to a, in the office? Yeah, just wandering around. No a, kidding. Tr- yeah, My wife a, would love that. A golden retriever and a little tiny furry chihuahua of some sort. Huh? Um, but yeah, so then I, I got home and my blood pressure, I kept checking it and it was like 160 over 104. And uh, so I called... A village doctor, he said, don't worry about <laughs> the village, it. The village doctor. The village doctor, he said, <laughs> wait in the morning, call your doctor if it hasn't come down. Um, it had dropped down considerably yeah. uh, this morning. But I, this, I don't know, this happens a lot when I go see new doctors, and I was having a serious panic attack. Wow. So, I feel better today, but You're there is here. a little bit of a worry, like... Is that going to happen again? Or am I, you know, oh, going to have that panic again? But yeah, is anyway. that kind of the panic you were feeling when Brian was trying to take your picture a second ago? Yeah, that panic. Yeah, yeah so. similar. <laughs> we should have had dogs. So. We needed dogs. <laughs> I would have felt so much better. Do you guys own? Do you have dogs? Do you have animals? We used to. I hate animals. You hate animals. Well, no, I don't actually hate them. Eric Seepin hates I animals. Hate animals. I just want to, because of the topic today, I feel like it's going to be helpful for you to know. Eric Seepin <laughs> hates, hates animals. animals. Yes, yeah. I hate animals. <laughs> you know, really, the, I love animals, but uh, I don't like cleaning up after them. Yeah, I don't love them enough to clean up the poop. That's yeah. just really where it's at. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think if that. I were just a, lived by myself. If it was just me, I'd have a couple of dogs. Okay. Okay. But, you know, people are my pets. Yeah, we've got a we've got a buddy of ours who's been living in a little addition on our house, yeah. and then he bought a new house. He's moving out into the new house, except new house isn't ready, so he's moving further into our house, into our guest room. He's got a dog. Oh, so wow. now, so now the situation in our house is his dog Lily, our two dogs, little white poofy things. And then you step outside, you've got two bunnies, 
two goats, and a tortoise. Are your bunnies like fun bunnies or boring bunnies? Oh, they're interesting. Do they like? Do they like you, or do they just run away? They run away. Okay. They they so you sniff. You have runaway bunnies. Yeah. You yeah. don't have pet bunnies. No, they're pets. Do so you call them and they come? No. Okay. That's but what not. define pet? Well, okay. when you get a bunny, like I've seen bunnies that think they're cats. Yeah. Those bunnies are awesome. Yeah. The like, reason the reason that's. And well, I'm sure there's multiple reasons. One is we didn't know you had to neuter a male bunny. <laughs> oh, yes. And it's like $300, right? Oh, no, no, no. We can help you with that. We have bunnies, and we know the guy to get your bunnies neutered. Hey. hey. Yeah. Whoa. This I'll, pod, I'll text to this you. This podcast is great. This is getting good. Because, uh, yeah, there, our, our two are a little uh, on edge. Yes. Let's say. We got ours neutered, and it changed the life. Oh, man. There was not as much sex. Let's just be honest yeah. about it. Yeah. These these two are just all about each other, you know? Two, yes. two little boys that just can't. They're just out there doing their thing. Well, that'd be great. Yeah. Hey, look at that. Hey, I mean, uh, you'll still have to save up, because I think it costs half that, basically. Okay, well, we'll see. We may or may not do it. but It, it changed anything, our bunnies. I believe it. Yeah, our, yeah, yeah. Ours were super cuddly, and then they grew up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look at the content on this podcast already. It's getting, we're being we're being real real vague with it, but it's getting a little dicey. Yeah, so you said maybe you had a bad day yesterday, or was yeah, it the greatest just, day? It wasn't the greatest day, but I wasn't in the cardiologist, so now I feel, <laughs> why bother? <laughs> um... No, we were just, uh, we were the one guy was moving out. Uh, we got another guy moving in. Everything was down to the wire. I was up till, I pre- preached on Sunday. I mean, think, you know, you probably had these kind of days where I'm working on getting this room ready because the one guy just moved out. And then I go and teach on Sunday, but I'm not done. So then, like, 9 to 11 at night, I'm working on the room. Mm-hmm. And then I'm still not done. So I got to wake up, crack it on the next morning. The guy's, the, New guy's moving in in two hours, and I'm doing touch-up paint and stuff like that. And then um, and then I had told the, the guy who's moving in that I had helped him move, which I was excited to do, but then now I'm just I'm kind of tired. Um, anyway. So just get a, home, lot of, a lot Get of home work. around 7. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then I get home around 7, and my dad, who's been in the hospital, is coming right. home, and so then... I'm putting in a shower chair, changing out the shower head at about, yeah, about 7 at night, doing that. Get home about 8, watch some TV shows with my wife, and I was just All right, well, done. True confession, what TV shows did you watch with you? Yeah, we've been watching Prison Break. The old seasons the of old Prison Break. The old seasons of Prison Break. Okay. Yeah. I've never actually seen that. I hadn't either. And I'm I'm on the verge of being done with it. I'm just we're in season two, and I'm like I don't know. Are you ever really going to get out of prison? Well, no. They're that's the thing. They're, they're out of prison. prison. They've been out of prison oh. for this whole season, and now they're breaking out of. It, they have to keep the theme, right? So right. they broke out of a train. They're breaking out of a cigar shop. They're breaking out of. It's just, and I'm it's going. Come on. The A team. There's yeah. always a new place to break like, out of. I, yeah, and there's five seasons of this. What oh, if they wow. just keep breaking out of stuff? Hey, <clears> it was interesting. People like to see people break out of things. I, I and I do. And the prison breaking out thing was really interesting. Season one, season two is okay. I just don't know if I can do this much longer. I think I'm I'm tapped out. Yeah, yeah. That's I need to fair. break out of this show. 
need to break, break out down. of this cycle. So the topic for today. <laughs> well, before we get to the topic, we yeah. should remind people because I know all oh, the yeah. people who listen to this podcast are coming to the conference at the village on November second to the fourth. Oh yeah, uh, I know you're all doing that. Um, you can check it out at uh, thevillageconference2017.com. Uh huh. Um, but anyway, I just want to put that plug in there before we get to it. Yeah, come come learn about discipleship from yes. the village. And so, yeah, we're going to enter into a topic that's a uh, little, uh, I mean, it's, there's a lot of topics that are divisive in the church, right? Um, of all kinds. And so sometimes, you know, for goodness sakes, like we want, we want there to be unity. And so you don't want to, you know, get, get into all these squabbles. But what I'm really excited about on this, at this moment, I think, and it's funny because I just told you, I'm like never excited about these conversations. But what I am excited about is to say this, I want to preface our whole conversation with this is that you and I are friends. Yes. And we view this issue differently. Yes. Um, but we do a podcast together in which we talk about faith. We obviously care about each other's churches, support each other. Um, and that's kind of what I think is rare. I think what's rare is that people on two different two different sides of how to see an issue um, are still hanging out and friends and supporting each other's ministries. And, yes. and I want to promote that. Yes. Um, you know, big time. And, and I'm sure there's a point to where you need to say like, wait, what, what these people are doing is not good. Um, and I can't support it. That's true. I, you know, I definitely feel that way about certain things that are out there, but a lot of the things that where we don't hang out and don't talk are not that important. And so right. this is one you know that I just I just want to go out there and say I'm excited that we're talking about this in the context of friendship because I would hope that would happen a lot more. So the topic is um, women and their ministry in the church. Well, that's right? a broad topic. Yeah. Um, so and, how did this topic kind of come about? Well, you were just talking about it. Oh, right. So you were talking about how there was a, a lady minister um, from a right. church here in town, and that's. Um, and then that reminded me of a conversation I just had with my sister-in-law. Um, who has been nominated to be an elder at their church. And so there was, and she was, we were discussing it, you know, back and forth. And basically, um, yeah, she's just, she's not sure if she wants, if she wants to or should. Right. And so she was debating, we were talking about that. And I had a different perspective than her pastor. And then, um, frankly, just to put it out there, like I'm, I would be, uh, some people would label it, complementarian and that's that I believe that men and women in the church and everywhere else are absolutely equal but that there are different roles that are very complementary and that it's good to maintain those some people think that's just horrible and terrible um, and so I'm I'm like nervous about talking about that you know which is is a bummer um, you know because it's not anyway um, the goal isn't to isn't to lay anybody low at all I just you know this is what I'm I'm seeing in the scriptures um, and so you've been there yes tell me your journey <laughs> you put me on the spot okay well first off like I I mean I used to be in your position and I would probably say that whatever position I have now I sit in very uncomfortably in most of the things that I do at the village. <laughs> well, that's, um, okay. Me you too. know, so these are things that, that I, I may change even, you know, whatever. 
in the next few years. But by the way, slight side note: I, there was a radio show I've mentioned before, perhaps, but where they were talking about how everybody changes their mind multiple times throughout their life, and they don't think they will. Right. But they, you will. You will. You do yeah. change your mind. Um. So for me, just to start out with, when it comes to men and women, I do. I also agree with you that there are differences. I think my issue is that I don't think those differences play out in titles. Okay. So I think um, you can have a female elder and um, you can have a female pastor, uh, but what they do is different um, in how they play out that role in the community. I guess that name gives them um, authority, but... I guess that's a... I think I'm probably... Plus, interesting. Like, the way you're saying that, I'm going like, okay, yeah, like, I would easily say that there are mothers and fathers. Right. And both of them have authority. Right. And they're co-equals in the home. Um, you know, but but each, each couple, you know, A, they're going to divvy up responsibility based on their strengths and based right. on their gifts. But then, you know, I guess the one little extra element for me would be that I believe that there's a couple things... Um, that because God being the creator of us all and that mm-hmm. we're made in his image male and female mm-hmm. so we we share in the image but they're kind of like elements of the image in each of us so that there should be a couple things that in every marriage you know the the man is is uh, able to, to do these things and the woman is able to do these things complementary so mm-hmm. I, I would say sure like yeah there's authority in both absolutely I have no problem with that um, I just, there just seems to be, and I'm getting this, this is not like a cultural feeling mm-hmm. for me. Like I should say, and I was telling my sister-in-law this, I would rather um, just, it would be so much easier to just go do it, do whatever you feel like doing. Mm-hmm. Everybody do what you feel like doing. You know, um, that would be great because um, then you wouldn't have to disagree with people. Right. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, I just see in Scripture, especially coming out of the image of God, like some just some little distinct male characteristics that that are God given that should be should happen in a home or in the church. So, what are those characteristics? Yeah. Well, what are the ones you have wrestled with? Like, because you've been. Well, I think a lot of times all this has to do with authority. Like in the end, who's defining the story? And I think a lot of times people who try to deal with the roles of male and female are talking about, like, well, okay, so who's the final word in the family? Yeah, That's sure. often what, what they're talking about. Um, Is that, or, now, now I want to, maybe I want to ask this question a lot, because when I, I, I feel like often this debate or this question in the church has more to do with, like, the way it's been done. Okay, and the question I always want to come back to, because I think that as as Christians, the the controlling thing for us, the authority for us all, is Scripture. And so I'm always, you know, when it gets into, like, men and women's roles, I'm kind of an odd duck because I tend to, like... I tend to argue more about those, like, where people say, well, you know, here's here's how it's been... And I'll go, is that... So is that biblical? Is that... So, who has the final say? Is that a is that a scriptural thing from God to us that 
for a man to have authority in his home would be to have the final say in all things. Right. Is is it? I I don't think so. I don't necessarily think so either. I you know, I I would say well, an interesting um, passage to me is is Proverbs thirty one, which seems to be you know, just this ideal woman. And it really is. It's an, it's an alphabet acrostic of the ideal woman. But this woman, there's all this stuff. I always laugh because um, she, she sees a field, she buys it, she's doing all this stuff. I feel like she's making all sorts of decisions. And then it, it's funny. It seems funny in our culture, but then her husband sits at the gate. You know, so I always laugh. I'm like, okay, so here's the, this is not the prototypical 1950s relationship where the guy's, right off at work slaving away the woman's at home cooking taking care of the children and then he comes home and honey where's my dinner like this woman she's a real estate agent who's out making it happen he happens to be sitting at the gates now sitting at the gates means he's an elder Mm -hmm. that's what he is right but his wife is making tons of decisions and she's productive and she has like value and worth and he praises her it's beautiful yeah and I think the the hard thing to do is what, what does Jesus do to the roles of men and women? Because there are a lot, I mean, you're coming from a patriarchal culture. The, the Old Testament is a patriarchal culture. Women were, were sold and bought. And, and yes, there are structures built into the law about how you're supposed to treat women. And, and there, you know, there are a lot of safeguards there, but, they're, but it's still a patriarchal society. I push back. I don't think I. I don't think we could say the Old Testament is a patriarchal society. I think it. Uh, what do you mean? You can't say it was born out of a time when it was right. Well, I don't know. So I mean, Old Testaments. That's a long time. So if we're talking creation, was the created reality patriarchal? No, I think the fallen reality became patriarchal. Right, but then you you also see like. I mean, in the fallen reality, you see, like, there are the sins of men, there are the sins of women, sure. you know, there, there are, but, 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 so, like, I'm saying just to, but to call, to call the whole Old Testament patriarchal and say that Jesus came and changed it, like, I would say that the storyline goes, I think, I think you'd agree with this, that things were created the way they ought to have been, and then things disintegrated the fall and that Jesus restores them back to the way they were supposed to be mm. and so it wouldn't be that Jesus changes th- that Jesus coming in changes oh, the there. whole because Jesus yeah. doesn't I don't know if Jesus restores them back to the way they're supposed to be I think Jesus restores them at the point of, of, the, of the fall to something that we don't yet know about okay like, so I don't I think the garden is the literal word means nursery Right. It's just a. It's the place where humanity begins to grow. Yeah. So he doesn't restore them to like, oh, we're going to hang out in the garden forever. But we get to go back to the nursery, which is sometimes what I think people hmm. are looking to. He restores us back to the adventure that was supposed to come out of the nursery. Yeah. So I think that's important because that does. I mean, we don't know what that is. We don't know. But I, I agree with you. Like I think. I mean, all that. I agree with that narrative for the most part. I just I don't want us to all just get back to the garden and we're all going to sing Kumbaya in the garden together. Well, it's right. an adventure that we we kind of dropped out of. 
Right. Right. I wouldn't... Okay. Agreed. I would never say garden, kumbaya. I mean, it was... Right. Yeah, you, people are put there to work and cultivate and to create and to, you know, scientific work and building and living out the image of God, who's a... Uh, all these things. And so, right, they hardly got to do it in that narrative, you know, that we're... I know we're assuming this narrative. We're Christians. That's that's the narrative we believe that God has given us. And right. it's true. But... But um, I still think there's something to look at, though, of like the way, the way that we were created to be, even if we didn't realize that. Right. right? And not that Jesus then came in and, and went like, "Hey, I'm here." You know, everything's different. It's still the, the stuff that God's revealing along the way, like about His character, about how we ought to be, how we ought to reflect Him, is all like upheld by Jesus and really critical to Jesus and so it's not like e- even though people are all over the map doing doing it all wrong as we still are right. after Jesus um, you know I don't know was there patriarchy then absolutely yeah. is there patriarchy now in our age yes. of, oh, of well it's been yeah well we've made so much progress but holy cow yeah the, ma- the male person is <laughs> so let's talk about one difference we're stronger as a whole physically and we use that to dominate i don't know man have you <laughs> i've met some strong have you women. been to the gym i have been to the gym look at us man i, I mean <laughs> listeners you can't see but this is we are not the pinnacle of strength yes but i i'm i'm a, <laughs> I'm a six foot three guy uh-huh. and i can take down many a woman who's worked out for a very long time because of my just the not because i did something wonderful but just because of the way the human body, the male body is built. So then, there's then you got my dad and I who are scrawny, and we and we're very prone to like <laughs> shaky hands and, and falling we, over when the wind blows. I understand. So that's I'm so that's talking, some. Have you wait? I've got a. We have to I've have got exceptions got a, to make the rule work. I've right? got there's a little a little niece of mine. Uh-huh. She could take you down. She could take you down. I'm sure she could. There are many a woman who can. I yeah. don't disagree with you. And she's she's but only any, six But or any seven. doctor is going <laughs> to sit down and tell you, look, like physiologically, you take the average man and the average woman, one of the things that's different there is the way their body's built. The other thing that's different is I can't have a baby. That's, that's a that distinct I agree with. difference. It's the first thing right? I agreed with you on wholeheartedly. Well, as far as I know. Uh, let's, let's work this backwards, though, because honestly, what we're talking about is how, as pastors, do we work and relate to women as our yeah. as pastors in our community with us and as elders and or deacons and how we understand that and do yeah. we accept those things or we don't accept those things or how do we understand them yeah because that's really what we're you know so yeah so cut to the chase so in the at the village um there are all positions available to all yes people. okay and um, within, at our church, at Mission Church, we have men in the role of elder. We have men and women in the role of deacon. So that's... And yeah. here's, so for me, I actually have a harder problem, so we'll get a little adversarial, with your guys' position than I would with somebody who said, no, a woman can't be a pastor, can't be a deacon, can't be an elder. Because I don't feel exegetically, and in any way you approach scripture, that you can have a woman as a deacon. Hmm. That's interesting. You disagree with the 
the mass of biblical scholars on that. Uh, I mean, well, I, from what I from what I've read, that the in the the scriptures, Paul to Timothy, when he lists, and we often read it as some of the English translations put deacons and wives, but the the word is like servants and the women among them. So it's it's uh, like all. I mean, actually, like a, a whole ton of conservative, even. I mean, I'm not, not that that matters, but even like <laughs> people that are that are not necessarily, you know, Here's, fighting for gender inequality. Yeah. Say, say, oh, like it's either there's either room for that to be deacons, or it's absolutely women in the role of deacons. Yeah. So. Here's how I, how I understand that. One, yeah. I don't actually think it's that vast. And one of the things, the reason I don't think it's that vast is none of, hardly any of the translations allow that. Um, well, I'm not, ta- I'm, I'm not getting at the English translations. Right, but yeah. when you take a look at all the English translations, that is all the possible translations. That's, if you're gonna, if you're gonna say, hey, this is not how it's translated, or this is not how it's understood, then you're saying, I disagree with a whole bunch of scholars who sat down to interpret the Bible in a whole bunch of different translations. Um, I mean, that's the the I mean, the good thing about the actually, there's there's got to be some translations where they don't do that. But but here's my thing: anyway, like, yeah. the same the, the same structures are built into the elder thing. Um, my thing is just that I don't feel like it's exegetically consistent, and and so I think you either have to go on that side, or you have to go and or you have to at least say if we're going to say that, if we're going to play with these words and the way we do it, then we have to at least give ear to the people who want, who are trying to understand women in a different position and leadership. And I don't feel like that's offered. So when I get into debates with my family, who hold very different positions than I do, um, I actually come to it and say, I don't know. I think this is an open-handed issue for me because of how varied the body of Christ is. And because I don't think it's like, for instance, when I think about, uh, let's talk about a subject, we've talked about homosexuality right. and things like that, and people say, oh, there's ten verses. I'm like, no, there's one billion verses. It starts with Genesis 1-1, and it ends with Revelation. It's very obvious. Male and female, male, there are differences, the way they're meant, the way they're designed, the creative order, all that fits. But when it comes to leadership structures, um, there's, there's just it seems very different within the New Testament, and the context in which Paul is wrestling with things is very different. So what's so when you think of elder? Yes, because um, I think this this is key. Yeah. So like when you think of elder, what do you think of? What's what's the key component that differentiates an elder from? other people in the church. Right, well, when I think about Acts in the separation, that a deacon, though, it makes me chuckle when I see what the deacons are doing. They're like, hey, like, you guys are going to now do a lot of the administrative work and the organizations of the boots on the ground, making sure people are getting fed, knowing what's going on in people's life. And then you listen to Stephen preach and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is not just doing everything the elders are doing. That might be the best sermon recorded in the Bible. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So in some ways you're like, okay, these people are maybe like... Obviously full of wisdom and knowledge and able to instruct and teach and not kept from instructing and teaching. Right. It almost feels like the elders are like, we're tired. I think we, you guys are much better at this than we are. 
But I think the elder's job is, one, it's to pray, mm-hmm. and it is to preach and teach yeah. and instruct, and it is to evangelize. Those are their three kind of roles in the ending. Well, and there's even mention of people who are just called evangelists who aren't elders yes. too in the New Testament. Right. So that's you know sharing sharing the faith, but teaching, instructing, <clears throat> and praying. Yeah, and I and, and it isn't it like that they're to study the word and pray. Yes. Isn't that like it's not sure. it's not even just <coughs> like I, I mean I'm there there are some there you know and, and I'm sure if there's people who are out there super biblically literate they're thinking hold on wait 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 wait. There's some stuff that Paul said about women not speaking and stuff like that. So we should we should come back around to that because that stuff's trouble, troublesome. It's problematic. Right. And in other podcasts about faith, what I've heard of people is they've just said he's just wrong. Right. Um, and uh, and that's not the way I would say it. Um, but I also don't, you know, I, I should clarify, like, we're not following, you know, what he says. And so I want to give an explanation for that. And maybe you could too. But... Um, but when I see elder, like the thing that I, the, the parallel I see, and I see parallels between, like, especially the family. So you've got in the family, you've got God is supposed to be the central figure of authority in the family, mm-hmm. right? Over husband, wife, who are a team, they have become one, right? right. But they have some differences, and and that works out in some of the epistles of Paul, where Paul's saying, "Look, husbands, you're supposed to lay down your lives for your wives, the way that Christ gave Himself for the church." And then, you know, wives, you're to respect your husbands and all these things. Okay, so the the idea of what supposed the husband let's use the word you're supposed to submit. Submit, yeah. Well, but the husband's supposed to be submitting to God. Right, and they're and, supposed to submit to one another, and they're supposed to submit to one another, and in the church you're supposed to submit to one another, yeah. right? So, like this, the role of the husband is to be submitting to God, and the wife, as he does that, is to submit to him. And if he is not doing that, she is not, she does not need to do something that God has not commanded her to do. Right. If he has come out from under the authority of God, so his role is to be submissive to God and then to be like Jesus in giving his life sacrificially to her. And then they're supposed to then train up these children in the way that they should go, right? Right. And and so, you know, that's... I see that same principle working out then in the church where, like, there's... So to me, like, elder... Now, the husband and the wife, they're both teaching kids. They're both, like, leading. They both have authority. All these things... But there, there are some differences where the big difference for the husband is he's supposed to be more sacrificial. He's supposed to be seeking God more. He, he has a high responsibility to stand before God and give account for his family and to lay his life down and image Jesus to his family, right? And so, like, the, not that the, I mean, the wife is with him in that, but he has... He's called to this high responsibility of instilling that in his family. So that to me isn't like, oh, he gets to make the final decision on what, you know, color of carpet to buy. Mm-hmm. I, that is so stupid. Like, that doesn't even matter. And this, you know, and some some people coming from a biblical place want to make the man get, like, he gets to choose every, okay, that's, it. okay, if he's 
utterly perfectly submitting to Jesus and laying his life down, then he's going to pick the carpet his wife wants. And he's going to do something for his children. I mean, he's going to lay his life down. Um, he is going to say, like, you are far more important than me, and my whole life is to serve you and lift you up. And that's, that is a, if anything is lacking in men, in our time, for goodness sakes, it's that. And I don't want to take that away and say, that is not the role of men. And that's what I see in eldership, is this idea of prayer and servanthood. So to be, be an elder, a shepherd, a pastor, I mean, this isn't power. And this is weakness. This is like that you're supposed to be laying down your life, giving your life utterly and wholly to to people who don't reciprocate it so often. Um, and I just think that that's, that's a unique calling in which like those men are called to walk with Jesus and to serve Jesus. And I think the, the paradigm for all this family and church is the Trinity. And so it, for those of us who believe in the Trinity, we'd say they're all the separate, but equal, like God, the father, unique, right? Christ, the son, unique spirit of God, unique. They, they don't do the same things, but there's an absolute equality and they submit to one another. They love one another. They serve one another. And what we're trying to image forth and live out of the image of is the Trinity. So like when we say there are distinctions, we're not talking about worth, value, authority. We're talking about differences that are complementary where we submit to each other and build each other up. Right. Well, I, I think the problem that you run into is, um, okay, so first off, I don't, I don't view eldership as a singular thing. You're an elder. I'm an elder. I view eldership of a church as a, as a single entity in the group. So all the elders yeah. are one. So it's not hard for me to have a woman be part of that because they are acting in the role that you're talking about, but they're acting as elder with a group of people who speak as once, men and women together. My experience in growing up in the church is that you have women who are doing everything that an elder is doing, right. only they sit on the outside because, oh, only men can do this. And so they're but, like... But you, I mean, we've talked about our families. We have mothers who do everything that a father does. Right. But do you... Are they supposed to be fathers? Yeah, but I, but I think that we, I don't, I think that you have to be careful that the. I'm talking. These are posi- positionally, these, like I mean, these are analogies, right? Yeah. I don't think eldership and fathership are the same. They're, not, they also, they're not the same, but they're they're two like, like the church and the family are things that, as believers in Scripture, that God has ordained. Yeah. You're right. And yeah. that the, there seem to be like great parallels between the two. I mean, they're even like the church is called a family, right? Yeah. Um, well, it's also called a bride. Uh, yeah. No, it's called a whole host of things. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, how, so in, can, how can men be part of 
I mean, we. That's why I want to be careful not to these can break down. Like what I tell women is that when we look at you in marriage, what you're doing is you're teaching us what it looks like to be the church. Yeah. Oh, I um, fully agree. And when I look at you, a husband who loves his wife in in a sacrificial way, I'm learning mm-hmm. what God does for us. Well, and you're making the distinction you're making is absolutely right. And so when the church is called the bride. It's because everything we do in the church is pointing to a greater reality in which we're all in the place mm-hmm. of being bride, where God, but God is, like, has a different position than we do. Like, we we are beautified, we are united with him, ultimately. So there's kind of, there's the shadow, and then there's the ultimate reality. So the way that we live out of the church now is a shadow preparing for mm-hmm. the day when we all are viewed as the bride. Yeah. You know, so it's not like, I mean, you know, not to call out Mormonism or whatever, but it's not where, like, what you're trying to do is have ultimate authority for all eternity. No. Right. Like, where you're going, the, the the ultimate aim that we believe in is that we're all going to, to be with God where he is the light and the truth and the authority, and he's the one who sacrificed himself for us, and we're all in the position of being like in reverence and awe and respect of him and enjoying him forever for all of his goodness and his benevolence. And there's no authority for us laying out there in that, in that sense, like the all authority that would, that we would have in scripture would be given and entrusted by him. Right. Sure. So, so that's where I see with like when it, I don't know if it breaks down. I think, what we experience, what we live out in the church is a preparation and an image and a way of worshiping the God who's going to, you know, do this ultimate thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still an analogy. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's, it's still it's not a mere analogy. It's an analogy that points to a reality. Right. Sure. Right? Yeah. To come. No, I don't disagree. Yeah. I just think that it. So, I mean, without, like, here's my thing, okay, like, I always, it's sort of like people who believe in free will and don't like Calvinists, sure. I always tell them, I would love to be in your place. Fix Romans 9 for me, right? and I'll be in your place. And and, and I said, don't give me a, and I'll and use a word I won't use on this podcast, explanation right. for Romans 9. Give me an honest, well thought out, good, cohesive argument. Can't. Um, and so, therefore, at least we have to sit in this, my will is broken, and yeah. it's not free. Okay. It's the same with men and women. You either have to deal with and do gymnastics with, I don't allow women to teach or to have authority over men. You're going to you're, you're gonna have to deal with Corinthians. So how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, um, right. Well, I yeah. mean, like, but the thing is, how we all, you, right. who are complementarian, and right. me, who I guess has to now... I'm like a hybrid commentarian, uh, <laughs> have to deal with this, whereas if you're a Federalist, you don't. Sure. Right? Um, we have to deal with First Corinthians, yeah. and and I have longer hair, right? right? Um, and it's not cut short. Uh, we and have so to deal with... So the, we start... The way the, so the way that I answer that, to jump into that stuff, and let's you know, and push, push yeah. back on this stuff. So the longer hair. So Paul... You're referencing a time where Paul says something, isn't that Paul? Where yes, he talks about, Paul, yeah, like men shouldn't have longer hair. Mm-hmm. Well, 
when people ask me, and I, it's kind of a provocative way of answering, but when they'll say, like, so do you think that's still binding? I say, yes, absolutely. But the question is, what was behind the command? What's the, what's the situation of the heart that the command was all about? The same thing with the Old Testament and tattoos. So, you know, you can get it like it says, do not tattoo yourself. Well, we know for a fact that the, the practice of tattooing at the time was a form of worshiping another god and yeah. swearing allegiance to them. So what I say is, yes, I think that command was absolutely true. You shouldn't swear allegiance to another god. If that's what you're doing with your tattoo, you better you better think again. Mm-hmm. But if your tattoo is about showing some art off to people that you think is cool, then I don't. That's not. You have to ask what this what was the command for, right? So there's there's a command in the Old Testament that you must have a parapet around your roof. Why? Because people sat up on their roofs and it was a safety issue. There are certain situations now in which there are laws on the books that you need to have a parapet around your roof because people go up on that roof and it's a safety issue. There are other homes where you live in snow-laden country and you need an extreme pitch so that the snow doesn't sit on your roof and nobody goes on that roof, so there's no parapet. Are they breaking the Old Testament law? No, because people aren't up on that roof. The point was safety. And so you have to ask, you know, what what's behind the law? So with, with the hair... <laughs> I okay. see where you're going. You see where I'm going. So, I, with, but I'm not gonna. I mean, I'll buy some of it, but I'm not gonna buy all of it. Well, so Eric, <laughs> yes. are you a male prostitute? No. Well, then your hair's fine because the point of that—that that was the sign in the culture. Is that the sign in our culture? Okay, but let me ask you. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that's a beautiful argument, but but a proper exegesis is the main thing. Is the plain thing, and the plain thing is you shouldn't have long hair. And if yeah, wait, 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 wait. Main thing is the plain thing. Mm-hmm. How, so, really? That's, That's the proper exegesis? It is. When you read scripture, we first need to deal with what the very plain thing is there. When you begin right. to tell me what the cultural background of a text 2,000 years ago was written, you're on some shaky ground but in doing the, that because you have no idea. But especially in our in our circles, the like in the Reformed, which I think is a very very thorough exegetical background like an obscure text cannot be interpreted alone it must be interpreted in the light oh, of I, scripture i totally okay. i totally agree so, with you but the problem is you've got to apply that to everything that you do and i agree and people that is hard don't like to do that they only like to do it to the things that make their points i agree i mean which is which is one of the reasons for instance like i i don't think baptizing infants holds up to that standard right. personally sorry right. rod and sorry eric i don't you i know, mean I, I i embrace it as a submission to my community not as someone who exegetically right. thinks you know but here's here's the thing i i think you're right about that i think like what we say like but if we're going to bring culture into it then we have to bring culture into our understanding of, of eldership and what, well, what Paul is trying to deal with. Look, when Paul talks about an elder being a, a, like a, a husband of one wife, yeah. you know why he's saying that? Because most people have multiple wives, and the people inside there are married. They've married each other's wives. Right. And, and why is Paul talking about all these weird things at, in Corinth? Because the prostitutes are sitting at the table with the you know, very respectable women, and prostitutes don't cover their heads. That's how you know they're a prostitute. Women who cover their heads, they're, they're modest. Yes. So there's all these rules. 
that are built into this, but to understand. Right. But, you know, if I'm a person who just picked up the Bible and I have no cultural understanding and I'm reading this, I'm going like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Right, and that's, and that's what the job of the one who studies the scripture sure. is to learn, like, the historical and linguistic background of this text so that we don't just take the, the plain thing as the main thing. I, I think that's a dangerous thing to do, to not study in, because when you do that, I mean, there's all sorts of mistakes you can make, because sure. because nothing's plain to us, because we're, like, this stuff was written in Greek 2,000 years ago. Exactly. So then we, what happens is we end up with all these scholars yeah. who are reputable, and it's not, when it comes to men and women, there are more and more reputable scholars going, okay, we have some issues in the way that we translate things. So it's, it's you have a big group of heavy hitters on both sides. Right. And when you have a big group of heavy hitters on both sides, I start going, okay, then we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, and that's, and I don't know if I'd say we don't know what we're talking about. There there always are, I mean, I actually think, I don't know, I guess it depends on what circles you're in. I feel like in my world, it's way harder to be complementarian than to be egalitarian. I, if I, like, that's why I was telling my sister-in-law, like, I would love to read these scriptures and go, oh, both men and women should do everything the same, and oh, gosh, that would be freedom. And we would, I guarantee, we would have people going to our church right now who don't, like, who I would love to have just over this issue. And I've told them, I've said, like, hey, like, I'm I'm trying to faithfully read the scriptures on this, you know, and I'm not, I am yeah. not, like, the authority on these things, sure. but from everything I'm gathering and from, and, like, and really trying to look into this and not ask because it's it's the harder way and it like and I'm sure there are parts of the country right where it's the opposite well, it's, of that it's funny because it, it feels like for me personally like I I mean I was where you were like when we planted the village 20 years ago or whatever it was 16, 17 years ago Rod was my co-pastor right. was on the egalitarian side right I was in the middle as a complementarian and our other elder was a very conservative um, almost federalist yeah federal headship kind of guy and yeah. we all sat together and agreed you know to, to live, work yeah. this out yeah. and women elders happened 17 years later yeah one woman elder. right but yeah yeah and and I'm sure like if you 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 know, one of the other things that came up with my sister-in-law, she was saying, you know, in her church, like, women are, are honored and respected and given roles. And I love, and I agree, and I've seen it in her church, and I think it's awesome. I was telling her, like, I I really think, like, in our church, that's true, too. Like, there are so many, like, strong, passionate, awesome women who do so much, like, good work, and we, we celebrate that. So I just, like, that can happen in both scenarios, or it can be you know, not there in those scenarios. Um, but, um, anyway, at the end of the day, like kind of what I opened with saying is I like, I love that, you know, you and I and Rod and I, like, we all have very different positions. Yeah. We, we see these things differently and, and clearly and a lot of other little like nuanced stuff too. Like one of the things that keeps coming up with you and I is like, interpretation of the Bible and stuff like, like there are, we have little things where it's like, Oh, I'm saying this, sure. what I mean is this, or what, you know, we, or I've heard this term and we think it means different things or whatever. Sure. But at the end of the day, like I, I would agree that like 
I don't I don't see a need to disunify over this. I, I'm with you on like and on the the terms and like I, I understand that what you're saying because there are people like there are women in our church who exercise great amounts of influence I believe and I'd like to see more of that um, to where you know I'm sure there's somebody out there that would go like wow ah, that's too much authority and I'm and I'm reading in these terms I'm going look the elders are praying studying and they're laying their lives down for the sheep like so that's I- you know that's like I have I don't see you know, I don't see any problem with women acting like mothers within the congregation where they, they are like... So you see this very in a, a family role. And I, I agree that the church is a family, but I also think it, it's it's a community. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously I, I may speak out of a little ignorance in this, but biblically, I don't know of the church... Can lean that far in a family structure, but when you, like even communities, like there are there are communities aren't just like groups of people where everyone's. But the those, same. but that community was established. That our, here's the thing that I think that Jesus changes is that me being that's different than the garden is that being being male and me being or female is secondary mm-hmm. to me being in Christ. That there is no longer right. slave nor free, male or female. We but, can't just brush that over as an equality statement. The point is that identity happens first in Christ. Yes, maybe my nature as a female means that I come to an eldership role differently and my role as an elder is going to look different than if I come as a male because my gender impacts that and what God's created me to do in approaching that. But I don't think you can argue that that particular role is just for a male. I mean, and you're going to have to, I mean, and obviously it's one little passage, but you still got to deal with Romans, whatever it is, 14, where we, you know, where the Catholic Church changed a female elder's name. We have that documented. I mean, we have an elder who's a woman being, you know, in, in, in Romans. So at least it's a, it happens at some point. It's not very common, you know. So I don't know. I mean, those are, but, but at least we have to think about that. And in our culture, I think it's quite a gospel presentation to say, no, in a world where power and me- and being a male has been a power place, we as a church say no. That their our identity is not found that way, and that we can come to these roles differently, right. but we still can hold the same power. Yeah, I would. I would or, agree. I mean, with especially, like, I just don't think being an elder is about power. Really? You, I don't think it's supposed to be. Well, but you still you still say yes and no, and you cast vision and you direct. Those are power things. Yeah. Yes, I, you still lay, yes, you're to serve the community and to lay your life down. But even Jesus, <laughs> laying his life down, holds power Well, over okay, us. I wouldn't say there's no power in it, but it's not about, like... In, in the church, what is supposed to be being done is, like, you're supposed to be, like, Jesus is the head of the church. And then there, there are people that need to be served, and whom you're supposed to lay your lives down for and spend yourself. You know, like, when we think of power, I, yeah, there's power in that. There's power in Jesus' sacrificial death, absolutely. But, like, he... And that power comes through, right. yeah. But that power comes through emptying himself, mm-hmm. and so 
when we tend to think about power and when I've seen especially like men in our culture trying to exercise power it's about gaining power and influence for themselves mm-hmm. and that's what I'm saying like being an elder like, I actually think that would be that would be a very worrisome thing to see in a potential elder is somebody that wanted wants to have power I, I for agree, themselves. But I think it's a, still a positional thing that we that sits in culture. Like I think one of the most powerful things that I've seen happen in the village is actually a group of men laying down their authority and saying, "Yeah, we're going to invite a woman into this." And and let me finish because if you talk to her, what she will say is, "I felt." always on the outside with no kind of accountability because my and a place of relief of just letting my burdens go because I was a pastor in this church not being recognized hmm. I was an elder in the church for both men and women but it just wasn't being recognized and now that it's recognized I have a place where people can hold me accountable shape me where I can speak what's happening she does everything an elder does. Right. There's nothing different. So. Yeah. No, that's. You know, and, and so is eldership of women a time and a place and a need? Like in the Old Testament when Deborah had to rise up because no man would? Uh, you know, and there's that's a weird there, story. That's an inch, I was going to yeah. say, like, there's all sorts of. That's weird. Different. Story. Yeah, and I understand she's that. She's not a priest. She's no. not. I got it. I yeah. understand that. Um, the priesthood in the Old Testament brings sure. up a ton of questions. Well, and the priesthood of all believers all of a sudden happens. Right. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess... But that's, the, again, shadows versus ultimate things. Right. But, no, and I understand what you're saying. I mean, here's the thing. I, when you start going through your whole, okay, here's the biblical structure for what I believe. I get it. Right. Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. My only problem is that there's enough holes in it that I have to have an ear to the to a different yeah. position, and it would make it more easy. I don't feel this from you, but I do feel it from people who hold strong complementary positions. Is that they're unwilling to say, "Yeah, this does have some holes. We do have some issues here that we can't right. shore up, but we're going to stick with this anyway." Yeah, and I think that's more. So I don't know. I mean, I'm comfortable in any either environment. I can go to a church where people say men are, can only be elders. Um, it's interesting because within our within our church, and now our our church is a is a merge, and so the I'm talking about the one that I started. We really looked closely at this, and the 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 women, the influential women who were a part of starting this church, of which was half of us did not they wanted men to hold the offices of elder and deacon um, because they wanted the men to lead and to, to stand and be strong it's interesting like the push was actually to encourage those women to like accept more titles in our in our situation it's interesting um, yeah. I, you know that's because you're talking about like the recognition like having the you know, being recognized for what they do. And in my context, in my setting, same city, different group of people, there was a big push, you know, for like, no, we want, we want our, we want our guys to be in this, to have, to have that title and to live up to it. Um, and I think like the big, the big struggle for us is like, 
I mean, what I look at, I'm always going like with myself and our other elders is, man, we don't, we don't, we don't do this. We don't live up to this. We're not, we're not doing this the way we should. And it right. blows me away that our wives and the women of our church affirm us in that, um, though we don't deserve it. But anywho. Um, yeah. Well, I would just like to say as we have to end because I have other appointments <laughs> um, that I would love to revisit this. I, I didn't really prep for any of no, this. No, neither of us. Well, that's because this, this is that's what this is about. This it, is not about totally. being, being prepped for debate. This is talk over breakfast. This but, is good. Yeah, this it is, was very good. I think we would have had this conversation over breakfast. Yeah, we would have. I think we just did. If we had had it this summer when I had spent a lot of time processing these issues, I might have had some different things to say. But um, well, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't process it either, man. This yeah. is just us talking. Yeah, no, that's good. So if uh, so either one of us said the, anything stupid, yeah, please forgive us because there's every or, chance. Yeah, all our misinterpretations of scripture. Yeah, there you go. and each other's words and whatever. But anyway, hey, thanks for hanging out with us at the table. Um, you know, Eric never did finish his chai, but there's still well, a little bit of egg gritty on, on the bottom, man. Gritty on the gritty, I hate gritty Just chai. like this conversation. So it's gritty. gritty. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we should hey. talk about easier issues like sexual harassment. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us for Faith Over Breakfast. Thanks to Exo Coffee for lending us their loft. And uh, we'll, see you. we'll see you next week. Yeah.